0: And today on Pray For Me, Mommy, you now, instead of waiting for the police to stop you, you actually stopped the police. So maybe you want to share the story about how you approached a police officer and, uh, and some of the things that you discovered when you spoke to them. Hi Dante.
1: Hi. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. This is strange, right? We used to do this every now and again, so
0: something. Have, have conversations. Yes. So I guess for our listeners, I maybe you should introduce yourself, Dante.
1: Okay. Um, my name is Dante da Silva. I am Melba De Silva's son. I'm 24 years old. Uh, It's not much to tell. I'm still uh, making my way in the world, I suppose. But uh, I'm glad to be on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, so I'm introducing you on my podcast called Pray For Me, Mommy. It's been quite a road that we've been on, you know, you and I for the last 24 years, me being a single mom and and raising you. So I think one of the first topics that I want to talk about, given it's Black History Month, is when did you first realize that you were Black, Dante?
1: Wow, that's a good question, because we have a very interesting story about this one. When I was young, I never encountered, well, I guess the only re- way you're going to realize that you're Black is because you realize that you're different from everybody else. So that. Didn't occur to me, at least individually, until a wow, while, until I was about a teenager. But when I was a kid and the first time that we went on vacation, well, not one of the first times, one of the first few times we went on vacation to Stevenson, I noticed that, especially because we live in a predominantly white area most of my life, I noticed there was a lot, a lot, when I say a lot, I mean only, <laughs> Only Black people in the area. And my first question to my mom was, because I didn't even understand what being Black meant as yet, I asked her, uh, Mom, why is there so many brown people here? Brown-skinned people. And uh, she...
0: (laughs) I I remember that day so well. We were in St. Vincent. I think we were in town, in Kingstown. And you turned to me. You must have been... Six
1: that was seven young. years old. I was like six or seven. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe seven or eight.
0: And you turned to me and you said, Mom, why are there so many brown people here? And I and I, I had to take a step back and I said, We never had the conversation. And then I realized it was time to have the conversation. How did you remember that conversation?
1: To be honest, I don't really remember it. Because It's kind of like your whole perspective, like you think you would remember something like this, but I guess I remember more of the realization more than you explaining it to me. It's like your whole mental shift changes, you know, how you view life, like how you experience the people around you, you know, like a lot of things, maybe not right off the jump, you know, obviously it doesn't make sense. I'm a child, but. The more you grow up and the more you have that in the back of your mind, like, you know, I'm black, this person's white, this person's Asian, this person is uh, Indian, you know, like these things, especially in school, they teach you that it's not really a difference. But when we all know the real world is quite the difference between races, and that's something that I learned over the course of growing up after you had told me that. So it was like I was more conscious of it. And I think that's something that Black people learn as they grow up as well as how to protect themselves, you know, how to and how to behave in that environment.
0: How to blend in. Yeah. You get to be conditioned on how to blend in and how to conduct yourself in your environment, I would say.
1: And that is, I guess, maybe a lot of... You know, some people know it as code switching or whatever, like not to say that your parents teach you. Some people do. You know, your parents might give you very distinct things to worry about when you're out and about outside of the safety of the household. You know what I was, I think for me, especially because I went to a predominantly white school, even in a different language, it's there was very few black people there. Like there was probably a handful, maybe two black families, including ours. And I'm an only child, so the numbers are are slim. So the way you interact with them is is a lot different. But what I value the most, and I I've even told this to my my university friends as I've been growing up, is that I valued even if after I left school and I came back here, I never lost myself. I never questioned who I was. Like some people can get lost in the fact that they're trying to blend in too hard that they lose their identity as being a Black person. But I was thankful that when I came back here, I was surrounded by our culture, music, inspiration. You know, I never forgot what it meant to be Black, even if I left the house. And that's something I was very fond of.
0: So I want to go back to when you said that identifying brown people, and I corrected you and I said, Dante, the skin tone is brown, but we are Black people. And I remember distinctively correcting you at that time. And at the time, I remember how the East Indian Mm -hmm. culture referred to themselves as brown. And I remember explaining to you the, the difference that black people, even though our skin is brown, that the term is black and our affiliation is with the our Black race, and I was very, very clear and distinct about that. As far as you growing up and, yes, going to a predominantly white school, French is a first language, I knew that you were going to be exposed and potentially treated differently, but I never spoke to you about that until one incident happened.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't know
0: if you remember. Do you remember what that incident was? Hello, everyone. My name is Melba Da Silva, CEO of Melty Properties, Inc., We are a company committed to building refined, luxurious, and smart condominiums located in St. Vincent and Grenadines, the gem of the Caribbean. Melty Properties has combined a passion for interior design, business acumen, and expertise in the field of hospitality and project management to bring to fruition this unique vacation home experience, Green Rocks, a luxury boutique condominium. Green Rocks is a six-unit luxury boutique complex located in the Villa Beach area within close proximity to the beach, restaurants, nightlife, and a short drive to the downtown core. The lock and leave policy allows you to come and go at your leisure. The executive residence has a remarkable view of Kanash Beach, popularly known as White Sand Beach, and as far as the Grandines Islands on a clear day. Green Rocks homeowners may customize and satisfy all their needs while visiting. We pride ourselves in offering our residents and their guests exemplary service. Our standards of excellence, married to the delights of the beautiful Saint Vincent and the Brandies, will refresh and recharge you. Visit us at www.greenox.net. Thank you for listening.
1: The only one that comes to mind was when I was traveling, when I. First of all, I don't think I had a job yet, but it was one of your first starting to get me to like go around the house you know on my own. Um, I had an encounter my first encounter um, of many uh, with a police officer it's a very very interesting scenario, and the more I look back at it is the more I'm glad you know I had that at least a semblance of awareness, you know, before I, I got into that situation because it could have ended a lot differently. I was on my way back home and we we live in Oakville and I accidentally took the wrong bus, going in the wrong direction, east instead of west, and um, I ended up in downtown Toronto <laughs> after like 20 minutes. Obviously, I was concerned I need to get out of here. I am obviously nowhere where I, I know where to be. Uh, so my first instinct was to run back on the bus and Maybe ask the bus driver hey like when when is this going back the other way around so I can get back home to my surprise, running across the the, the platform for the buses was actually an illegal action. Uh, there was a sign somewhere at the top of the street that said you're not allowed to maybe it was just a crossing sign and there was a huge fine for like two thousand five hundred dollars for crossing the the platform I had no idea uh, and at this time, I think I was about Twelve years old, and one of the biggest problems, again, to top it all off, was to be honest, the way I was dressed. My mom was never—I don't think you were too strict about how I used to go out of the house. You know what I mean, like what I was wearing. I was, but there was a couple things that you were telling me. You know, make sure your, ha- your pants aren't falling off your ass. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't look like a gangster when you're walking out the house. Um, but that particular day. <laughs> yeah. I did not take her advice to hand because I remember I was wearing really baggy sweaters, baggy clothes, kind of look kind of sketchy. And I'm a really big kid. People know me. um, At 12, I was looking like I was 18. So across the street, police officer stops me very quickly. He was on me like my ass is grass. Like he he was right there. And he, he was very intimidating. He said, where am I going? Where am I off to? What am I doing at this time in this area? Like some very intrusive questions. And as a child, my only response was to give him the truth. I was like, listen, I'm lost. I took the wrong bus. I'm just trying to get back on the bus so I can go home. I don't even live here. And he didn't believe me in the slightest. He thought it was lying to him. I was leading him on, trying to get out of his hands. And he asked for my ID to verify my story and guess by the time I gave my identification, he saw that it said Oakville, the uh, the ID. So kind of knew I wasn't, I was lying to him. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so I managed to get off the hook, but he still, you know, even seeing my age, it's funny, he saw, he saw that, you know, where I was going, but he never sent, check my age. He could have easily known I was a 12 year old kid lost. And maybe he would have given me a bigger hand, but that's not what I experienced. He told me, get out of here. Don't do this again. And like, pretty much like, Didn't give me any direction or anything. Just kind of kicked me off to the side. And then I was forced to figure out my way home. Um,
0: And I I remember you called me crying. You were crying that you had just gotten stopped by the police. And I remember how I felt at that moment. And to be honest, I don't even remember what the conversation was like when we came home. As a mother, I just know that once you started driving, Mm -hmm. and particularly driving my car let's just fast forward to you driving my car mm-hmm. and the the countless times of every time you drove my car every time I, whether i gave you the car to pick me up from the train station from the airport whether i left the car with you while i was traveling it was a known fact and it history shows you got stopped by the police yeah every single
1: time and i'm a great driver That's what's like, puzzles me, you know? I'm a great driver. I don't speed, you know? It's just seeing a black man behind a very nice car is troubling to some officers. It's troubling. Like, what are you doing in this area with this car right now?
0: It's a newer vehicle. I can't say it's a high. It's just a Jedi. It's not a high-end brand car. Yeah, I guess it's because it's a newer vehicle. And seeing you in a newer vehicle in Toronto, whether it was in Toronto or Waterloo, where you live, you get stopped. You always get stopped. But now you have taken a new turn and you have found a passion with social economics. Yeah. And you now, instead of waiting for the police to stop you, you actually stopped the police. So maybe you want to share yeah. the story so, about how you approached a police officer and uh, and some of the things that... You discovered when you.
1: In this particular case, people don't tend to believe that police officers are just as afraid as you are in the situation at hand. Namely, when they make a traffic stop, this is what I was told by two police officers. They were very kind. Um, I was on my way home from work. And to be honest, like the whole idea, like you said, like social economy was just troubling me. It was just how could we make this easier, you know, like make this better. Like if they are law enforcement, that's not going to change. You know what I mean? So how can we live in peace where we're not harassed for the smallest of issues? You know, how can we make ourselves seem like, what, what is the issue? You know, like, that's what I wanted to know. And I asked them, like they had some time for some questions. They said, yeah, I'm just wrapping something up. And So so let's get to
0: that. So you went over and you, actually approached a police officer who was just sitting there in his patrol car. Yeah. Just walked over, said, hey.
1: I just said hello, and there was two of them. There was a a female cop, and there were two partners, a male and female, and they were just handling a case in in the mall at the time, and they were really nice. They were welcome to speak with me, and they said, just give us about two minutes, and we'll come out and talk to you. And I said, great. So I stood to the side, and they walked out, and they came and talked to me. I said, okay. How you guys doing? You know, uh, my name is Dante. I'm just looking to get some information, essentially. That's all I wanted to know from them. And basically, I wanted to know how do they feel in the same situations that we just recently described? Like, what what is going through their minds when these things happen? And to my surprise, they did say, you know, they're just uncertain all the time. They don't know, so they assume the worst. They're trained to assume the worst, is what they told me. And especially in a situation where someone's not being as, why do I say, cooperative, it brings them suspicion. Automatically, they lead to the highest point of suspicion, because why are you not cooperating? I asked them, how can us as civilians make it easier for them, you know, to not act that way, not jump to the aggression part of the the traffic stop? Like, that should be your last option. Is to arrest someone, put your hands on them, get violent. It should be the last option in someone's approach in those situations. But it doesn't that ends up being the first option all the time. Like, especially with black and brown people. Like the moment you get into a traffic stop and we say, What's going on? It's like, shut up, get out of the car. You know, why does it jump to that? Like, where where is the the paradox where we lose them, you know, where we're we're not seen as human beings anymore? So I tried to ask them. How can we do better? Us, you know? Obviously, that's that's a. some people might feel that's a good, pointless question. What can... We're just sitting there. But what I learned is, us being afraid makes them afraid. They don't know how someone in an anxious situation will react. Maybe that's just a manner of training. Maybe that's just a manner of every individual personally, you know? But it seems like us black people, when we do get fearful, excited... These kinds of movements and emotions bring fear in the police. And that's why they act as they do. Is it an excuse? No, of course not. They, the, the two officers they told me, like, we don't condone like these kinds of things. We don't want it to get to that point. We want to just live in a safe community as always. And that's what everybody wants. So he, like, I know it's two officers, not all of them, you know? But at least getting that sense of that's where they're coming from. It was a big leap for me to understand how to react when I get in front of a police officer. Obviously, be calm and all these things, but just really showing that you're not afraid of them. And you're just trying to understand clear and cohesively and you listen to them. Things will probably go better than than worse. Follow their instructions. Follow their instructions. Maybe they might seem unreasonable, but it's better than the alternative because if you don't follow their instructions, they will become suspicious and then they will do things that they do against suspicious people.
0: So how did these police officers, after you had this conversation with them, how do you think they perceived you coming to them and ask questions about this? I'd
1: like to think that some police officers want, like they said, they want to have a safer, more stable community. Where the disparity is, is that... We think that they're being villainous. They think we're being villainous. So I think it takes both parties to come together to create something where they can live in peace. Like, you know what I mean? I I, I know all we want is to be free, to be at peace. And I don't know if every cop is power hungry to beat someone down. You know what I mean? If that's the case, then eventually we'll weed those ones out. But... This is, this is a case where we need to protect ourselves and know how these people are reacting based on our actions. You can only control what you do. You can't control someone else. They're only going to do what they're trained to do. And that's it's written in their rule book. So they're every, every step of the way. Like, look at what happened with George Floyd. The cop just said, I was doing my job. Where his job is written in. The, the, the rules that they have are bad, you know? But the thing is, if you come as a community and you say... How can we help? Like, if if you're not going to change, how can we help you then? Take some kind of response. I know it's hard because we're the ones that are losing it, but we have to take some kind of responsibility for ourselves so we don't end up in danger. And if that's it's just learning, learning, knowledge is power. That's what you always tell me. But I had to learn how they view us and simple things as putting your hands up the lighter face of your palm versus the darker face show the light side it's that's it's, it's it comes to being that easy if you cooperate you show them the things that they want to see they will leave you alone at least until the time being where we can change these policies change the way these things act but that's not happening today and it's not going to happen tomorrow it's going to take years so we have to at least know how to protect ourselves in the meantime until these things come to fruition. That's at least what I wanted to try and get a semblance of for them. So at least, you know, maybe black people will understand that they're not necessarily the enemy. They're just a patrolman doing his job, but the job itself is the problem. That's what I was trying to get at. At least understand from them, because not every, people seem to think that every cop is bad, you know? Every cop is bad. Every cop you encounter could be your last, but it's not necessarily the case. And it's just the system itself that's split around it, the economics around it, the, the fact that police get money to arrest people. like These kinds of things is what are driving them to do these actions. And it's the system around it that, that is fueling the, 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 the power of these, of these officers.
0: And don't forget to visit us at www.greenrocks.net, where life is worth living on the rocks. Thank you.
2: Fire,
3: fire, fire, fire. Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal. Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal. Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal. Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal. I share everywhere. Man are dead every day, yeah, yeah, it's so important to pray, yeah, yeah, you have to give God praise. Cause it could be your turn, it could be my turn, never know when it's coming. It could be your turn, it could be my turn, never know when it's coming. Them killer brother in the street with no sympathy, like the man nobody did have a family. Trigger the federal, bad, bad mind bad police, police. bank protect, tell me where is the peace Peace in my heart, peace in my soul, peace in my mind Every day me just a grind, success they my mind Tell them sooner my time, try what over my life Them what over my life, so me pray with a 45 Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal Why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal, why do you kill our people? We just want to be equal, why do you kill our people?
2: want to be equal it's crazy how they love to say they trust but so deceitful a land was filled with love but turned corrupt and it was evil man i didn't had enough of police busting with no recall you say this land to free but still they shackling our people this life is like a movie and it's sequel after sequel and killing wasn't normal now it's normally a default ironic how they put us in the dirt but look how we grow now I'm saying black lives matter, this for my grandmothers and all the will they passing us, will not pass it? the piston, number snap like cameras, cause I'm mad at the ones who saying, all lives matter, yeah, all lives matter, but you don't understand my battle and all my shackles, I'm faced when I'm the best on faculty, worst in salary, this just baffles me, I'm perplexed, injects insanity, pain kills gradually, Floyd, they on his neck, cause casualty, is it you black men, it's a battle You slaving in the physical, your mental is a gallows And just because my color wanna pull up on my shadow I'm here to stay, ain't no much as a kid But I notice as I grow, I see the cycle never ends This world is full of sin, police pull up at the hood They seeing someone suspicious, so they pull up with them clips That's the day my brother died, ain't been the same man ever since